timer. It's apparently helpful for me. I don't know why. I say I can go over time sometimes. So, like I said, my name is Paul. Um, one of the deacons here. And uh, I, I was thinking yesterday. Uh, this year is my, I think, my tenth year of being a born again Christian. I was, I was doing the math, and I was like, man, it's it's so exciting. I actually want to see who of you guys here have been saved, meaning you've. You had an encounter where you know that God has made you alive. You have decided out of your own to be a Christian. For you guys here, that's more than 10 years, 10 years or more. Like just by show of hands, eh? Nice. Nice. Yeah. Have you guys realized, or oh, I've seen it in my life, initially when you get saved, or you have that encounter, it's like everything is greener. I mean, the, everything is just better. It feels like you're walking on the clouds. It's, you haven't been closer to Jesus in your entire life. Everything is just better. It's great. And you're on fire. When there's a prayer meeting, you're there. You, know, when, if you don't miss a church meeting. You don't miss a community meeting. And I've seen in our communities, the guys that are, are new and that get saved newly, they're the guys that invite people. You know, the guys that's been there for years, it's almost like we forget to do the stuff that Jesus says in the Bible. Yeah? But the moment you get saved, it's like, oh, you just want to do what Jesus is saying. You're so excited. You're so full of passion. But it seems like after a while, it kind of just starts to go a bit like, yeah, it waters down a bit. Yeah? And uh, it's a very scary verse in the Bible, but I want to say, have you guys have ever tasted something, or you've started to drink something, and it is so bad that you literally had to spit it out? Is there anyone here? Yeah? Tomati says. Good. <laughs> Yeah. So one of those things for me is amasi milk. Did you know, guys know that stuff? That it's like milk that is chunky, and I mean you can literally plaster a wall with it. It's so chunky, and you can yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's really gross to me. I can't. If I take a sip, it just, it comes out immediately. But another thing for me, and it was so interesting. Like I say, two, three months ago, months ago. I, was, I really enjoy a nice cup of coffee in the morning with a little rusk to wake me up. But this mo- particular morning, there wasn't, I didn't have any coffee beans. So I used to be a coffee shop owner, and we've got two, two coffee shop owners here as well. Here you guys are. Uh, you know, you get so used to good coffee, you kind of forget <laughs> what real coffee tastes like. Uh, sorry, if you, if you enjoy a real coffee, you know, go for it. But for me, that morning, I was like, you know, well, it c- can't be that bad. And I made myself a real coffee, took a rusk. <laughs> And I sat down, let me just take a sip. And I took a little sip. And I was like, you see, I completely forgot how bad this is. And I had the brilliant idea of putting some sugar in as well afterwards. Like, surely the sugar will fix it. Two sugars, I'm like, this is even worse now. And I honestly, I, 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 like, I spit it out into the sink. I was like, I, can't, I don't want to drink this. And I put it out the sink. It was so bad for me. And I, you, you don't like the taste. And I mean, everyone of you guys go like, yeah, I've, I've had that a similar experience with something. And can I say that even Jesus... He can taste something that he wants to spit out. Even Jesus, in the scriptures, we see him drinking something and spitting it out. And let's look at Revelation 3, verse 15 and 16. Now, this is a very, I'm going I'm to make it a bit more encouraging after this. <laughs> so, J- Jesus writes in Revelation, he says, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. So anyone that knows me know I will use a Greek word somewhere in the preacher. Let's just do it, get it over with, tick it off. So the Greek word for spit, it's emio, mispronounce it a bit, literally means to vomit. It's a Bible word, it's, it's, it's in the Bible. And that's quite a graphic picture. 
Essentially, what Jesus is saying, if we're lukewarm, he will literally vomit us out of his mouth. And if you think about it, hot water you can use for cooking and you can use it for something. And then cold water is very nice on a warm day. But that lukewarm water, have you guys even tasted lukewarm? It's not nice. And some of you guys don't like water at all even. <laughs> Essentially what Jesus is saying here, now he's not saying you should either be on fire or not love him at all. I don't think necessarily that's what he's saying. I think he's got a problem if you don't love him at all still. But what he's saying that there's a use for hot water and there's a use for cold water. But lukewarm water, there is no use for it. It's like he's saying, you, are, you have become useless, and I'm spitting you out of my mouth. That is a scary verse. And I do not want to be that person. What exactly spitting out of his mouth means, you can interpret it. Just make sure you're not that person. That's all I'm asking. Just, just don't be that guy. And I, this morning, the preach is not about being spit out of Jesus' mouth, but it's actually, how can we be something that Jesus likes? Because I honestly believe, and I, I had such an encounter with Jesus this week, I was actually in the shower, and uh, it, uh, there's, there's something anointed in the shower at our house. <laughs> Have you guys, uh, eh? you don't? Yeah, it's hot water. Yeah. <laughs> no jokes, but have you had a lukewarm shower? You just, oh, it's, you, it's almost hot, but it's not. Uh, yeah, yeah, the presence lifts. Um, and I had such a, it felt like a direct download from God. And I was thinking about, you know, what, what should I preach about? I asked me, hey, listen, are you keen to preach this Sunday? And I had this moment where I just knew. Within two seconds, I had my old preach. Just, I just needed to put it on the laptop. Start, finish, middle, everything. This is what God wants to do. And if you are taking notes, good luck. Um, <laughs> but if you are taking notes, if you can call the preach something, I would call it called to multiply. That is what I believe God wants to do this morning. He wants to remind us that as a church, we are called to be a multiplying church. So let's look at, uh, I firstly want to um, build a bit of a case for why we should multiply, and then I'm going to look at three areas where, where I think God is calling us to multiply in, um, and then just a quick disclaimer, I'm not going to look, I'm not going to speak about actually having children or anything like that, this is going to be a spiritual, okay, just so you know, <laughs> we'll have someone up, I'll speak about that. Uh, so let's look at Genesis 1 verse 28. So this is in the start, I mean, God just created man, and he says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. And other translation says, be fruitful and multiply. And then it goes on. Now, obviously, so I think this is not just a physical thing. This is a spiritual thing. And just follow me for a moment. This is a spiritual thing that God is also saying. He's saying, be fruitful and then multiply. And you might say, oh, yes, Paul, it's a bit far-fetched. He's obviously speaking about having children and having their children, having children. But we pick, uh, the New Testament writers pick up on this, where later on, God tells Abraham, listen, God gives Abraham a promise, listen, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. That's the promise that he gives Abraham. And then he says, I will make you a father of many nations. And in the New Testament writers, Paul, they picks up, not, not all ethnic Israel is Israel. He's saying not everyone that's just an Israelite is part of Abraham. In fact, in Galatians, he says, if you believe in Jesus, if you are, in fact, in Jesus, you are a son of the promise. You are a child of Abraham. So the New Testament writers are making this a spiritual thing. And I think likewise, in the, the Genesis approach, man, God has called us to be fruitful and multiply. And you guys know what the word multiplication means? Or the idea, and I love using the example of a cell. 
and there's a lot of medicine students here, so I won't use the terms, and <laughs> I'll butcher it. But just the concept of a cell, what happens within a cell is it everything in the cell multiplies. It duplicates itself. And then once there's like two of everything, and there's a lot of stuff that happens, but it splits into two, and it multiplies into two. And then those two would then do the same, then you've got four. And then those four would do the same, then you've got eight. And then I stopped the math there, because I'm not going to be able to do it. <laughs> you're a math teacher, what's going to be, 16 and then? 32 and then? 60, okay, you're gonna, okay, you win, you win, you win. <laughs> but also in the New Testament, in Acts 6, verse 7, we also see this is the design that God wants to build this church as well, through multiplication. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And you see, this is just after the first deacons were set apart. They were prayed into the church. And it says, the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. Now, there was about 3,000 Christians at that moment, give or take. And if you take 3,000, you multiply that. Multiply it with whatever you want. That's a lot. <laughs> if you just multiply it by two, it's a lot of people. And this is, this is a sense that God, and we'll, look, we'll break it down exactly how that looks for us. But likewise, in Acts 12, verse 24, we see that the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord increased and multiplied. Just interesting on this. Just before that, I think that's where Herod died. An angel killed him, and then the church multiplies. So weird. It's like God does something. It's almost something scary. It's God, you know, essentially kills someone. And, but the church multiplied. Because I think the fear of God then moved into the church more. There was a sense of God was glorified in that moment. Because actually what happened here, it was stealing God's glory. And they were saying, oh, you're a man. You're a God, not just a man. And then he died just there. That's quite scary. Amen. Um, and I want to look at Matthew 25. Sorry, I'm jumping through a lot of scriptures. We'll probably hover over this one a bit. Matthew 25, verse 15 to verse 30. It's a lot of reading, so just follow with me. I'll read it, and then we can go from there. Uh, this is the parable of the talents. Um, just quickly on what a talent is. So I, <laughs> I grew up, you know, someone in the, in the church once told me, or did a preach, you know, a talent is one of your, a, a, what, what's a talent? A talent. You know, it's like a, a talent that you have. And I was like, oh, you know, God gave them talents, and then later there's money, and you're not exactly sure how this works. <laughs> doesn't make sense. Uh, diff different translations would use bags of gold, or, but it's, the talent here is money. Okay? Finances. The F word. <laughs> Finances. <laughs> to one he gave five talents of money. Oh, there it says it. Nice. I never know which translation. It's always... Uh, to one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey... The man who received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants turned and settled, uh, returned and settled the accounts of them. The man who had received five talents brought other, uh, the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents? See, I have gained five more. You see how he multiplied. He literally doubled what God gave him. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. 
I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with those talents. See, I've gained you two more. With two talents, I've given you two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been good and faithful with few things. I will, put in, I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Let me get to the one. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sowed and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. The master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Just want to, I'll continue, just want to pause there. Man, this guy didn't even steal the money. He literally just kept it safe. His response was, man, I was so afraid, because I know you're, you're like, you, you know, it's in a sense he's got awe. You, you do, you, I mean, you're like God. You, you pick, you, you, you don't even scatter seed there, but you harvest, you know. It's something almost supernatural. He's like, I'm a bit scared, so I didn't want to do anything with this. And then the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. I mean, that's like, oh, you would think he did a good thing. And just protecting what he was given. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. A different translation says you should have at least, it uses the term at least, like at least just put it in a bank and have a bit of interest. Just don't leave it there to do nothing. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the, um, the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. So there's a lot of scripture. But again, <laughs> what does this weeping and gnashing of teeth mean? Like, it's kind of, this servant was, he, the master speaks about the worthless servant, Lazy, wicked, worthless. Throw him outside where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, for me, that sounds a bit like hell. My personal opinion. And you can take it as you want to. But all I want to say is don't be that guy. Whether you believe it's hell or just losing your inheritance, whatever you believe in it, just make sure it's not you. Because whatever it is, it doesn't sound great. You guys agree with me? I don't want to be thrown out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. So let's break it down. I believe I want to look at three areas out of this that we are called to multiply. So we see the concept of the master giving, and it, it says that each according to his own ability. Okay? Because the challenge we have is we're looking at someone like an Andrew, or we're looking at someone that's a very you know, wealthy businessman, and we're, oh, but I'll never be able to do what he does. And it's okay, you don't have to. Just be faithful, faithful with, with what you've got. God gives you according to what you can. I think sometimes we've got this idea that God is a bit of a communist. He just gives everyone equal. That is not the God of the Bible. He knows what you can do and He gives you accordingly. And He knows you can do more, so He gives you more, but He expects more. So the three areas that I'm going to look at, the obvious one would be finances. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. The second one will be gifts. And the third one that I'm going to spend more time on will be people. Okay, 
So first, the way, there's a lot of ways you can interpret the scripture. Now, uh, God uses a parable, you know, Jesus, Jesus uses a parable here for a reason, because he leaves it a bit open-ended. Do you guys understand what, I'm, what I mean with that? He tells a story so that we can apply it into our lives in different ways. It, it has one meaning, meaning God gives you something, multiply that thing. But that thing can be interpreted as many things. So the first one that would be the obvious reading of it is finances, because he gives them finances and expects finances in return. Okay? Now, God, we, we always, I always say, like, you need to, you need to let Scripture interpret scripture. So there's obvious areas like Paul, sometimes he didn't have money or he was in prison. So it's, a, it's not like I'm saying if you, if you don't multiply the finances that you have, that you're in sin. So it has to have a balance. But there's a principle here that we need to acknowledge. That if we're not faithful with earthly riches, how will we be trusted with heavenly riches? And that is something that Jesus clearly teaches. So, and I, I believe there's a, there's a measure of we need to be Whatever the finances has God given us, we need to be wise and, you know, use that money to make more and be faithful. Because if we can't even use money to make more money, how will we be faithful with people? Like the moment we get entrusted with people, you know, and it's, I'm saying this out of a personal struggle a lot of times, you know, you don't want to just live almost paycheck, paycheck to paycheck, and it's okay if you do, and there's times we go through it, and I, you know, I, I put that disclaimer out there. But you want to, you want to be able to be faithful with it. Build it up. Grow it. Because if you can't even grow finances, how are you going to grow someone? I, I was challenged like that. God told me, if you can't grow your finances, how will you grow someone in your community? I was like, oh, yes. Okay, <laughs> awesome. okay sorry, Lord. I'm not going to spend any more time on that, but I did want to mention it because I feel like God wants to do something in certain individuals here this morning, especially in the area of finances, knowing like, man, I need to, I need to be more faithful with my finances. I, I, need, to be, I need to be better. Now, and I'm not the most qualified on, on what you should do with your finances, but there's a lot of businessmen, there's a lot of people, at, and, uh, but spend time with those guys. When I was, we, we, were in the, we, were, we were in, I was like, no, no, we were in Cape Town this weekend, and we stayed in Melkbos for a bit, and those guys are like all businessmen, and they're all, well, all everyone's got a business and something, and I was just spending time with them. I was so encouraged, like, man, I just want to do something. I, I, I honestly, I picked something up in them of, wanting to build something, wanting to multiply something. And again, that is the heart that God has given us, even from the start, is to multiply. The heart of multiplication is in every man. It is there. Even when I was, you know, when I was in school and going off the rails, I wanted to multiply the bad things I was doing. Yeah? I had a bit of a side hustle even there, but I wanted to multiply it. If those of you who know me know, but you know, I, I did bad things, but I wanted to increase, and I, I wanted to have more friends. Honestly, I was looking at, who, who's there I can take off the road with me? Now, it sounds bad, but there's, there's this thing of wanting to multiply. You're always constantly looking at new friends, and, and as you get older, you want to start a family because you want to multiply. It is, it is there in the heart. As we're moving on to the second one. Got finances, and I'm leaving it quite open-ended to so let God speak to you about it. If he's not, that's cool. Second one, gifts. I believe we're called to multiply our gifts. Amen. Thanks. Man, and that, that's a thing that I think we need to do more. I was, I was looking, I was standing here, you know, in worship, and I was, honestly, I was waiting, like, when is someone coming up with a prophetic word? 
Like, where's the gifts? Why aren't we operating in the gifts? God has given us a talent. You, yeah, you can use it, a talent. He has given you a gift, an ability, a spiritual gift that He wants you to exercise and grow and to multiply. And I've, I've, I've preached about the spiritual gifts. You guys know about it. But Timothy, you guys know Timothy in the Bible? Yeah, Tim, yeah, Tim, man. Like a guy. So Timothy, essentially, he was, Paul was sending him to appoint elders. Paul was sending him to do correction into churches. Paul was writing letters, listen, you need to go and set that guy, you know, put that guy out of the church or do this. And he writes to Timothy, be aware of these two guys. You know, they've shipwrecked their faith. So he, he, Timothy, Paul actually speaks about Timothy as his son. Not his physical son. And we'll look at that. But he's, he's quite, he's like, he's one of the leaders, you know. I mean, if Timothy would walk into this congregation, everyone would be, hey, you know, if he speaks, we listen. But Timothy had a problem as well of not using his gifts. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 6 and in 1 Timothy 4 verse 13, uh, 14, you can just put 1 Timothy 4 verse 14 on if you have it there. For this reason, I, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. And then 1 Timothy 1. Do you have to? Oh, it's not there. Okay, no, no, no stress. Um, but in, in, in 1 Timothy, he says, you know, well, here he says, fan it into flame. Can you put the, the so it's 1 Timothy, so in Timotheus 4, verse 14. Sorry, I didn't give it to us here. 1 Timothy 4, verse 14. I'm giving you guys a break to take notes again. I'm doing this for you. <laughs> okay. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you through, uh, by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. So Paul is writing to Timothy and he's telling him, do not neglect the gift that you have. And I want to call you as a church this morning, do not neglect the gift that God has given you. I want to encourage us, fan into flame the gift that God has given you. Man, if we're not faithful with our gifts, I don't want to be that guy in Matthew 25. And we don't want to speak about it, but it could be that if... I think there's some of us here that we've got this gift and we will, we'll, just, we'll just keep it safe when Jesus, for when Jesus comes back. Now, I've got this prophetic gift, but I'll just, I'll just keep it safe. And you don't have to raise your hands, but who of you guys here, you've got a prophetic gift and if you would really want to think, you can't really remember when last you used it. You can't really remember when last you actually gave someone a prophetic word. Or just encourage someone. For the leaders, the guys of leadership gifts, when last did you sit and lead someone? Well, you guys are doing well, you know. But it's, we, need to, we need to be honest about these things. Guys of worship gifts, come on, guys. <laughs> we need those gifts. And God wants you to walk in it. And the challenge is, if, I think sometimes God looks at us this might just be a bit more of my personal view on things. But I think sometimes God goes and he gives you a gift and he's waiting for you to use it. And it's like, if you're not, he wants it to operate. And if you're not going to use it, I'll give it to someone else. I want this thing to operate. Because the gift, and I've said this many times, the gift is not to you, it is through you. So if the, if the object of the, the, the receiver are the ones that actually get the gift... Okay, I'm not going to speak about the gifts, but I want to encourage everyone. Guys, man, we're called to multiply our gifts. And that is very basic. That's very easy. You just do it. 
You fan it into flame. Have you seen, um, who of you guys here has had to fan a bra into flame? It's terrible, eh? It's, yeah, you get to a bringing bra and the wood is not, and you know, there's a lot of food, and halfway through you want to put some more wood on, but it doesn't want to work. And you stand there with a papier borki, and you try and fan it into flame, and there's just smoke everywhere. It, it, it sucks, but there's something of you need to fan it into flame. It's quite hard work. And that is what Paul is writing to us even, you know, fan it into flame. Fan it into flame. It takes work. You don't, you're not going to wake up one morning and then just play the guitar, cring, and the presence of God breaks open. You're not going to wake up one morning and be Mervis, if you, those of you that know Mervis. Mervis didn't wake up one morning and he's Mervis, you know. Okay, well he was because he's Mervis, but... That was of years of fanning into flame. I mean, even Hoyer. He didn't, I, I, he's my brother, so I know him from school. <laughs> he wasn't a church planter in school. <laughs> you know? But he was just constantly fanning it into flame. Constantly. I remember you were in Leonard's community, the guy that uh, leads uh, Josh Chen, Stellenbosch PM. He was just serving faithfully in his community, fanning the gift that God has given him into flame. Man, how can I help you in the community? How can I serve? How can we build this community? And through just fanning the, the planter in him, God started using him more. And because he was faithful, God knew that's a fire that I can use. That's a fire that's growing. And then, the last, the last point, I believe we're called to multiply people. In Matthew 28, uh, I don't think I've given you scripture, but you don't have to worry. But the Great Commission, everyone knows the Great Commission, right? Uh, therefore, go into all the nations, making them disciples, bap- baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, something like that. We all know that. Essentially, what Jesus is saying is go into the world and multiply spiritually. Go and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, which is for them to go and make disciples as well. You see the idea of a cell, one cell becoming two and then those becoming four? I can only go, on a good week, I can stretch it to getting to about ten people. I can maybe do more, but you know, there's other things. Let's say I don't have anything. Really sitting with intentional time, getting to those ten people, trying to disciple them, trying to get to them. I mean, Adams, you can do about forty, but... (laughs) No, no, in a week. <laughs> On a Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can only get to so much. And if, let's say I do, do this, these 10 people every six months and then I do 10 more, that's quite a slow, if you just do those. And let's say some of the leaders do that as well, but guys have got work, so it will be probably a bit less. But if it's just the leaders that's going to multiply the church, man, we're going we're to go somewhere, but slowly. But imagine if everyone here, on, on, on paper we're approaching about 80, we're approaching 80 members, but let's just take 50. Let's say if just 50 of us here get one person every six months. This one person I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to multiply myself into. I'm gonna, you're going to look more like Jesus after the six months. I'm going to teach you to buy everything that God has told me. Now in Peter, it says, it, 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 I think it's in Peter, paraphrasing, uh, but it's one of the scriptures we used and think on Eddie quite a lot, but it's to that which, uh, oh, it's in Timothy, sorry. Paul's writing to Timothy, that which you've heard me teach, teach to others, who then be able to teach others. So, 
let's take just take 50. You do one person every six months that you disciple and you bring them through. I'm going to quickly look at how, what does that mean? How do we do that? Um, so 50 in a year will be 150. And if that 150 does that again, what would it be? Bethlehem. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think we'll be... Yeah, yeah. Bethlehem and Reitz and Klerksdorp. <laughs> Australia, New Zealand. <laughs> um, so, and if that 150 then does the same, after two years it would be 450. And then I'm going to stop it there because I, I did it on the calculator last night. So, <laughs> I just did it till there. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to... Um, and it's... Don't, don't you hear what I'm not saying? It's not just about the numbers we need to be more... But God has called us to make disciples. Quite basically, every one of us here should be making at least one disciple. This is what God has told us to do. He didn't like... And the challenge I see, and it's, I'm saying it's out of... I struggle with this as well. But it's easy sometimes to... Yeah, God tells me to worship, so I'll worship. God tells me to be at a prayer meeting, so I'll be at a prayer meeting. Yeah? God tells me to give my finances. Okay, I'll give my finances. God tells me to make a disciple. Yeah, I look kind of do. I'll just stand here. It's actually challenging if we think about it, eh? And I believe that if God sees a church that's making disciples, He will add. There are guys that's more gifted in evangelism and, and the, the go-getters, the guys that invite people, and that's okay. But it's, when we're good at making disciples... When new, new people come in, we, we, we're on them. We make, we're going to make you a disciple. And if God sees that, there I can add. There's a church that will care for my people. Versus the, we all come and sit and then one guy just preaches the gospel every time we, people get saved and we just, there's no discipleship happening. So that's, what, that's when ha- what's that, what happens. Sorry. That's what happens when churches start to have to get smart, get some ideas, have sleek worship just to keep people coming. But God keeps people coming when we disciple. Running out of time. So I'll land with four points. Quick ones. Uh, but before we go, to, let's read 1 Corinthians 4, 16 to 17. And I think this is the way that we are called to multiply people. Practically. Um, therefore, so it's Paul writing to the Corinthian church. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Verse 17, for this reason, I'm sending to you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Paul is saying, I want you to imitate me, and for that reason, I'm sending you Quirtse. Does it make sense? It, it almost doesn't make sense. Why would, I, why would I say imitate me, but I'm sending someone else as, as the picture of it? You know, Jesus prays in, I think it's in John 17, of, you know, let, 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 them be, let them be one and let them be, be in us as we are one and let them be, you know. So he's kind of saying, like, they should be so close that you can't really know who's who. And I've seen that in, in, in Josh Jen. If I listen the way that Andrew answers a question, and then a month later in Team T, I ask the exact same question to Mike Davies. And it's like, man, after this like word for word. It's not that they had a papagoi rampi, but they, they're so connected that, man, we've multiplied into one another. And this is what Paul, this is the approach of Paul, saying, this is like my son. And have you seen, have you seen a, now I myself am a son, but I'm actually a lot like my father. 
you know, the, the, the way that I speak, the jokes that I make, and you're, you're a lot like your father as well. It, it's just natural to become like your father. Now, obviously, there's maybe some brokenness in the past, but as a principle, you generally become like your father or if you're a girl, maybe like your mother. But we need to be a church that has, we take spiritual children under our wings, but also to be spiritual children to the leaders. I want to say you need to have someone that multiplies into you, and you need to have someone that you multiply into. So, so how we do that, the four points, just quickly. Step one would be <coughs> to grow them slash invite them. So it's like to build that relationship. So that would be, to use the example of a kid being born, the child gets born, now like you need to care for it. It's like this little baby that can't do anything. I mean, Adam G. Lucas was like just laying there. <laughs> now you need, to, you, do, you need to kind of do everything for him. Feed him, teach him how to walk, teach him how to... Just do things. And you start to build that relationship. So identify someone, build that relationship, and if it's a new Christian, or if you're, in a sense, the baby, like learn, like let, let the person feed you, let the person teach you. The second point is dupl- uh, duplicate yourself into that person. Now, obviously, Paul is calling them, uh, the church to, multiply, to imitate him as he is imitating Christ. Yes, but you want to ideally, so if, if I look at Aya and I look at Leonard, man, I see a lot of similarities. The way that Leonard is all about the visitors. I was, I was there at, you know, at Stellenbosch, like, wow, it's, everyone here is like Aya. The guys in his congregation, they've got the same approach as Aya. And I was like, ah, oh, I see. I, I, I see where it comes from. And you need to be in a receiving end, like, you know what, I want you, I want you to, to, I want to become like you. Don't, don't, don't be afraid. No, I'm my own person. I'm going to have my own flavor. And yes, you do have your own flavor, yes. And God has got a certain thing that He has that only you can unlock. But that, man, learn. Be, don't be afraid to use the same words as the other people do. So the community that I lead, we recently um, multiplied, meaning we got quite big and then we split into two, like a cell would do. And it's funny because they, if, you, if you walk into that community, you'll see. You'll see, yeah, they were a fool because their jokes are terrible. <laughs> and, and I just want to say, I used to be in Adams' community and that joke, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. It had to come from somewhere, bro. <laughs> After that Amazing Grace joke, I was like, I oh, see. I saw it. I saw where it came from. It was him multiplying the jokes into us and then it spread. <laughs> But don't be afraid to have that flavor, man. Become like the people you're next to. It's okay to you know, listen how they pray and learn from them. Don't just copy, but really catch something that they carry. So, I mean, there's a lot of things. You can spend hours on how do we disciple, and, but it, just the way you would duplicate, just spend time with the person. Speak about Jesus, pray together, just do things together time rubs off. You just rub shoulders. Just be so close that you start to smell like one another even. Huh? The interesting, I'm just thinking about this now. There's a scripture in one of the Gospels where they say about the disciples, they notice that they have been with Jesus. 
And now, yes, that can mean like, oh, they were in the presence and they started to glow. But or, or it could literally just mean, no, man, they, you've been with Jesus. You, you speak like Him. You walk like Him. You, there's something that you carry of Him. Third point would be, now, after you start to spend a lot of time, you, we need to transition into a working together. Like a child that grows up, and as he reaches a certain point, he kind of starts to do whatever his father starts to do. Then we get to the duplicating part. But as he grows older, you start to get to the working together part. You start to give him responsibility. Listen, come with me for this. And as this child gets older, listen, help me with the trailer. We need, you, know, you start to include him into your life more to do things with you. Spiritually, we need to do that. As, as someone that is duplicating or multiplying into someone, pull them in close. As someone that receives, go closer. Man, can I join you with this? almost want to say, wees voorbarig. And I want to come with you when you do things. Can I join you for that meeting? Can I, can I join you for that prayer meeting? Can I join you? To, to, like, be with. To start working together. And I did that with Andre um, that planted out of our community. I, after a while, I started, Bru, when there's visitors, you, you dare. I want you to help me. Be, be there a half an hour early. I want you to start working with me. And then the fourth point and the last point is we need to send out. It doesn't help a cell duplicates everything in a cell, but it never becomes two. The worst thing we can do, and it's the, this is the, honestly the challenging part, because you build this relationship, you start working together, and now I need to give you a room to do the same. And now I need to take up someone else. I need to raise up someone else. And someone might be building into you. And I remember when I was in Team T, there was guys that was building into my life. And when that had to go, it's like, oh, man, like, there's still that relationship. But I need to now go and do the same. And it's almost, it's almost like when Jesus goes into, ascends into heaven, he tells his disciples, I'm going. Yes, I'm sending you to help her, but I'm going now, and you need to go and finish. You need to go and preach the gospel now. Over to you guys. Saying, I've did my work, now it's your turn. You need to go. And we need... Give those, you know, go guys. Like we did with using the community as an example with Andre. Okay, cool, go. Go for it. And do the same. I want to finish it here. This is all great hearing about, you know, a church that multiplies, but for that to happen, and I want to ask, the first step in a child's growth is being born. And if you're here this morning and you've, you actually don't have a relationship with Jesus, it, we don't want to teach you how to be a better person. That is the worst thing that we can do. I remember growing up in the uh, Dutch Reformed Church, always just, I need to be a better person. But I, I had to have an encounter, you know what, no. It's not about just being a better person. It's about getting to know Jesus. God is not in, in the business of making people better. He's in the business of making people alive. He didn't go to Lazarus and oh, you just, just try harder. He was dead. <laughs> and all of us here, if, you've, if, you're not, if you haven't had that encounter, that moment where God has made you alive, you are still like a Lazarus. Dead in the tomb. And I believe this morning that God is calling you. I believe this morning God is saying, Come Lazarus, wake up. 
I don't even want to close the eyes, but if you feel like that's you this morning, why don't you just raise your hand? Saying, I feel God is tapping me. Saying, He wants to make me alive. So anyone, just raise your hand and we will pray for you afterwards. Cool, thanks. Thanks. Let me just pray for you guys now and then someone will...